Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 120 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. I can't believe it's 2020. It's crazy. It's crazy. But thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. And if you were out last night celebrating, uh, fair play to you for you know putting this on and lifting your head and uh, getting tuned in to the MTV Tribe podcast. I really do appreciate you guys being here. Now, for the first episode of 2020, it is my pleasure to welcome Richard Wilford, owner and founder of MTB Beds, the mountain bike holiday company, onto the show. Richard is a top, top guy. I reached out to him because I've heard of MTB Beds a number of times um, and finally reached out, uh, got him on the show. He was kind enough to come on and chat to us about his mountain bike holiday company. He's got loads of different options for you guys wanting to travel on an MTB holiday, Morzine, Austria. It, it, it's a great, great list. You need to check it out. You can find him at mtbbeds.com. Now, we chat to Richard about his mountain bike background and how he got set up in MTB Beds. And he got into it in a slightly different route than one might expect. But he's had a bit of experience in that kind of industry and um, he, he just took it to the next level and got people involved and in coming over the summer months and getting their bikes out there and setting everybody up properly with bike garages, bike locks, tools, everything like that. You know, you can go there, you can relax, you can have a great holiday, everything is catered for, everything is looked after and MTB bears have different packages so it's kind of geared around what you want and what you would like from a mountain bike holiday so it's very very cool now Richard started off himself basically got this rolling himself and um, it's just grown and grown to what it is today and he's got he's got a lot of good things planned for the future as well so we chat to him about that but it's a great episode I'm really happy it's the first episode of 2020 because I'll get us guys all stoked about booking trips for next year. Eh? Let's get out there, let's enjoy the mountain bike, let's enjoy the facilities that these places have and get something a little bit different and, you know, tick off that bucket list, whatever you need to do in 2020. Organise it now, get it sorted now and uh, hopefully you can have that to look forward to over the summer months. So without further ado, I will get Richard on the show and let's chat about MTB beds and let's all think about maybe booking that next mountain bike holiday with MTB beds. Certainly we would be looked after 100%, that's for sure. So let's welcome Richard to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi Rich, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things this morning, mate? Yeah, all good, buddy. Just uh, just dropped the little one off at nursery. Um, sat down with a coffee and uh, yeah, ready to get stuck in to have a chat with you. Cool, man. Cool. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you spending the time and uh, coming on the podcast. Um, I love chatting to guys like you that have stepped out and done something a little bit different. So thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. No worries at all. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, should be should be good. Should be good. Yeah, cool. Now, for the listeners, you run a mountain bike holiday company called MTB Beds. Mm. Um, now, you're based out of Morzine, Finale, a few other places. Um, very cool, man. Very cool. 
but you're you're in the UK at the minute. You're kind of based over there. Head offices are there. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so, God, I suppose a very very swift backstory kind of moved out to Morsey in 2009 and then lived out there for seven years moved back here three four years ago um and set up the office in Bristol where we're now based full-time obviously Ben uh, my business partner and best mate is based out in Morsey running all the logistical side out there and stuff so yeah head office is in the UK and obviously most of our clients are from the UK so being based here means we can get to all the races and support local stuff and, and get, have a good presence on the ground here as well, I suppose. Yeah, that's cool. So this time of year, I take it Ben's got the snowboard out, has he? <laughs> I'm sure he's still finding a way to ride his bike. He's probably, <laughs> probably just jumped in the truck and gone down to Finale or Malini or something. And uh, yeah, he's probably riding his bike. But actually, saying that, he is back in the UK at the moment for the first, I think his first time in 14 years, he's back here for... Uh, for Christmas with his parents, he's got his little boy Luca and stuff, and uh, so yeah, all over the shop all the time. But um, I don't know, he'll get out on the skis every now and again, but um, it's definitely not his favourite sport. <laughs> oh, right, okay, okay. I would be just jumping at the chance to get up some of that white powder, man. To be honest, so yeah, I mean, I think we out in the Alps, November dumped a load of snow, like really, really good. But I think temperatures have, uh, temperatures have warmed up a little bit for December, and you normally get the old December rains. Uh, and Morzine only sits at a thousand meters, so you've got to get up into a Voreas, get a bit of height and stuff. But yeah, most of them are all out there. All those season airs are out there, having living the dream, running riot. So uh, yeah, it's always always good fun in winter time. Class, mate, class, and. We'll get into the MTB beds thing in a wee minute or two, because uh, obviously that's why we're here to chat about that. But how did you first get into mountain biking? What what got you interested? And what kind of age were you then? Oh, I suppose growing up southwest, we had the Mendip Hills um, on our doorstep. My mum used to go riding uh, riding her horses all the time. And uh, when we were kids, we'd jump on our bikes and be chasing well, not chasing behind the horse because it'd go wild, but we were whizzing down the tracks <laughs> in front of her. Um, and I suppose. Yeah, that, that was kind of back when I was like 10, 12 years old. And then I suppose the mountain biking scene for me kind of, I never got into it properly, properly. I had like a Scott Rockwood with RST 3.5s and Toyota riser bars. And it was wicked. We'd go down the local woods and jump around and mess about. But it was never kind of a, a real scene I was involved in. I was too young, I suppose. And then mm-hmm. uh, just found, discovered skateboarding, surfboarding, snowboarding and everything and there. Uh, after we ended up in Morzine originally because of the snowboarding, uh, moved out. Wow. There. Okay. Well, didn't move out there, but went went and did a ski season out there for about twenty mates from Bournemouth University, and uh, that kind of started the love affair with Morzine. And uh, yeah, then the, the bikes kind of arrived about two years into living out in Morzine when we stayed for a summer season and just realised that oh my god you can chuck a bike on a chairlift and blast down six seven hundred meters in five minutes and it was uh mm. it kind of sealed the deal yeah like how does that how does a resort like Morzine change and i'm sure if you were there for a winter season snowboarding and then you're there for a summer season like all the stores change their gear they all go from snowboarding gear or skiing gear to mountain biking stuff the whole place changes what's that like being in that kind of environment oh it's it's a tricky one. It's it's really nice because you get your inter seasons. You get like your May and you get your Novembers and stuff and your October, November and and in those inter season periods it's a real close knit 
kind of community. Morzine's not just a seasonal resort like Valteren. It's not super high up. So it's a full year round kind of town. It's got mm-hmm. banks, it's got big supermarkets, it's got local businesses, it's got everything going, big swimming pools and everything's going on there. But the winter season, everyone just prepares for it. In in November, you know it's coming, so you just try and chill out as much as possible. And then December through to April hits and it's it's just flat out full speed ahead for the for the five months and then you get kind of may chills out and then you've got june you get ready for the summer season and then you're all go for june july august now they're extending into september as well uh which is really good um so yeah you're all it's always always on the go i mean everyone kind of tries to have downtime and stuff but yeah morzine's kind of a year-round resort and you've got the locals that live there all the time you'll get the same faces in the bars and the shops all year round and it's nice but the change the winter pace is just 100 miles an hour um Mm. it's bonkers and then summer comes along and and it chills out a little bit but summer is definitely getting getting very very busy now so Mm -hmm. pretty busy all year really yeah, that's interesting. And it's funny because I was going to ask you that, actually, you know, what you found busier, the winter or the summer season, because I was chatting to a guy that he's, his uncle or his, his brother-in-law or something like that owned an apartment in Whistler. And he was complaining he could never get out over the winter season because it was always booked. You know, his 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 uh, brother-in-law or whoever rents it out, so it was always it was always rented, and he could never get out there for a free week, basically. And I says, well, why don't you go in the summer? Sure. Now this is before I get any mountain biking. And I says, why don't you go in the summer? Sure, you can chill out, relax. I'm sure it's beautiful up there in the summer. And he says, the summer's busier with all the bikers, and that blew me away. I think I think that the statistic actually is correct that Whistler is now generates more revenue in the summer per person than it does in the winter or something. Now it's the only like resort bike resort in the world that generates more money in the summer months. That might not be a hundred percent correct, but mm-hmm. it's either very, very close to generating the same kind of profit or it, it, it's on par because Vale resorts bought out Whistler, didn't they? And it's just, mm. yeah, I think Whistler's absolutely bonkers, but, they've got hundreds of staff that work on the trails and it's kind of a, it is a very well-oiled machine that Whistler set up. I'm not surprised that, uh, yeah, they can't get out there. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So have you seen the, have you seen the Morzine thing, the European thing? Have you seen it getting busier in the summer? Is there more bikers attending those kind of parks? Yeah, definitely. And I think we, what we started 2012, 2013, and I think we kind of started, we, really lucky with our time and we came back at the very start of the kind of the new wave of revisiting the alps and all that kind of stuff i think mm-hmm. because it had its glory years in 2008 with the world cups in Leger and all that kind of stuff and then it went a bit quieter and i think 2012-13 it's just started to really kick off again and every summer it's just getting busier and busier and a lot of the ski companies in the winter are kind of opening up in the summers and doing a bit more summer stuff and yeah, it's just uh, also the development that's going into the trails out there. I mean, Avoriaz MTB, which run the Super Morzine side, Sermalift Company and that lot, the, the trail work they've put into the Super Morzine side of the hill is just it's unbelievable. There's there's tracks up there now for everyone. Um, Hattuck, the black tracks, Tutti Frutti, oh, it's just it's incredible. So I think the ski companies as well and the resorts have actually clocked on that the summer is becoming quite important um 
because the snow's not always so guaranteed, you know. I mean, it comes, mm-hmm. comes later in December, stays later in May. Who knows? It's all a bit sporadic. So, yeah, I think a combination of the UK scene with the enduro bike now is just absolutely booming. And everyone's kind of going, oh, let's go back to the Alps. We don't have to take a downhill bike anymore. We can take our bikes and stuff. And, uh, yeah, the trails that are being built, the maintenance that's going on out there, everyone's, it's all just all combined. It seems to be the industry's booming, really. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's one of those things, I suppose, if it's getting busier over the summer, these areas have to develop more trails. They have to cope with more people up the mountain, basically. So it sounds like they're doing that as far as you're concerned. I think, well, if we're looking at if we're looking at Morzine and the Port de Soleil in, in like particular, I think it's got what seven hundred and fifty kilometers of trails and twenty two lifts and like fifty sixty downhill tracks and stuff. And I mean, even if you know the place like the back of your hand, within a week's holiday, you can't ride all the tracks that are out there. Mm. So I think it's up to kind of like they're like some of the lifts, the Super Morzine and stuff, do get do get pretty crowded when they have the passports event, but that's 80,000 people descending on a resort in a, in a, in a weekend. It's going to get, wow. There's so much space out there where people, if they get the trail maps out and they know where to go, head over to Champery, Morjan, all that kind of stuff, they can really explore. And you don't feel like it's a super busy, crazy resort unless you are just doing laps of super Morzine or just doing laps of Chatel and stuff. So I don't think Morzine's got to the point where you're like, oh, this is too busy. Like Whistler queues. I hear about the queues and Whistler being an hour long sometimes. It's like, that is savage. Um, yeah. Morzine, you'll be back on the plenty lift, what, five, five, ten minutes in the queue is, is, is at its busiest time. It's only five minutes up and then you've got five minutes down. So it's pretty good, really. You can do ten minute laps. Yeah, it's cool. And like, Morzine would be the capital almost in Europe, wouldn't it, for the mountain bike scene thing? Yeah, I mean, I think Morzine is is an absolute mountain bike mecca, really, and it? it's got a lot of pedigree and history behind it with the World Cups in Leger, and obviously the World Cups have come back to Leger now, and Crankworks was there, and all that stuff. But you've got resorts like Finale Ligura as well, which are just unbelievable, and uh, the amount of riding you've got down there, and like Pietro Ligura is opening up now, Malare, you've got Finale Ligura, you've got Nolly, like there's just so much down there but i'd almost say that the trails in finale at peak season in the easter holidays especially are kind of busier than you ever get in morsey in the summer just because the volume of, of riders down there and obviously it's all shuttle assisted there's no chairlifts and stuff like that so mm. um but yeah morsey it's it changes every year as well and, and with the trail development that's going on a lot of people say, oh, I've done Morzine, I've been there for years and years and nothing's changed and the braking bumps are savage and stuff. But, I mean, the braking bumps on the Chavan mainline in Leger, yeah, they're fairly bad. But, I mean, there's so many trails out there, you can always kind of get around them and avoid them. If you don't mm. just, just ride the main lines, it's normally absolutely fine. But, yeah, it's, it's going from strength to strength, I think. And uh, I think there's locals now that are doing a lot of digging and setting up little community kind of groups that are trying to assist the chairlift companies and just inform them of what we really want out there and we've tried to do a lot of that stuff and yeah big big group effort and it's it's getting much better better and better every year really amazing amazing and i'm I'm curious i want to ask your your opinion on something um because you've been out there over the winter season and the summer season so you've you've seen it all year round do you think resorts 
like Morzine, well, maybe Morzine's maybe not a good example, but smaller resorts maybe that have been traditionally all ski resorts. Do you think with the snow conditions now and, you know, the snow season maybe just not being so long or not being so predictable or not having the same quality kind of thing, do you think we'll see a lot of these smaller kind of destinations going into the mountain bike thing over the summer just to basically stay open? Uh, yeah, I think I think you will. I mean, you're always going to have the big resorts like Team Lazark, all that kind of stuff, Morzine, everything that, that's just traditionally open regardless. But there's definitely smaller resorts um, that are opening up their lifts um, for the mountain biking in, in the summer. Like You've got like Crans Montana over in Switzerland, and they have got one of the best black downhill tracks I've ever ridden. It goes through this natural gorge, like it feels like you're in a tropical gorge out somewhere in Thailand. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But and you've got Verbier, St. Luke, you've got all these places that are just, yeah, they're kind of opening up now. And uh, I think I think the summer tourism is is really important as well. It definitely doesn't generate anywhere near as much money as, as the winter kind of stuff. And and that's a big battle that you have with with uh with the resorts as well and being a holiday company and stuff. But um yeah, little ones for sure and there anywhere you can put a trail down a big hill now, there'll be a local that's got a shuttle van and stuff like that and a trailer and be doing local guiding and, and <laughs> yeah. even down the valley Samoir. Um there's some um, unbelievable descents from like the back of Leger down into Samoan. There's a local guy down there who's doing a little shuttle up lift and they open the lifts down there for the mountain bikes and stuff. But I think, I think in the French Alps is such a popular destination for hiking and summer kind of walking activities. Anyway, you kind of, all they've got to do is every one in two or three lifts, even one in five lifts is stick a mountain bike holder onto it and they can, get a bike up there as well and, and benefit from that you know i mean as long as as long as there's some differentiation between the walkers trails and the mountain bike trails and they've got a bit of signage up there and stuff and, and the trail map and stuff then any resort can turn their hand to i suppose i mean mm. why not definitely mm-hmm. yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens you know there may be a lot of these smaller resorts open up for us mountain bikers and We'll have other destinations to look at and check out in the near future so that could be quite that could be quite interesting It'd be definitely good for like the people that want to do these road trips and jump in the van, van life stuff and do the road trips. I think the little resorts, the problem is you're going to have is people will go there for a day and you'll ride there for a day and you'll be like, this place is ridiculous. This place is good, but you just wouldn't go there for a week's holiday. Mm. Um, and that's a struggle. A lot of resorts have uh, the smaller ones as well. And that's why Morzine has stood the test of time really because you can go there for a week you can go there for a month you go there for a whole season and you still haven't ridden every track it's it's, it's ridiculous that's why so many people end up staying there really. it's the same as finale and stuff like that yeah sounds amazing man sounds amazing all right right so let's chat about mtb beds um and what you guys do there it looks very very cool sounds very interesting um so tell us a wee bit about it how did it all start where did the ideas come from Oh, so the idea, well, it all started with the snowboarding, moving out to Morzine to go snowboarding and stuff, stayed out there for two winter seasons. And then after, I think it was after the 2011 winter season, we we, uh, we actually went down to Tuscany and uh, we renovated a big villa with a load of uh, with a load of friends from Morzine. We all went down there, a uh, company asked us to go down there and paint all the walls and stuff. And then we right. ended being there for the summer and got back to Morzine for the like the last week in August um and yeah jumped on jumped on a friend's downhill bike I think it was a 
Iron Horse Sunday, absolute beast. It was amazing. And uh, yeah, sent myself down the plenty chasing my good mate Lee Huskinson, who was <laughs> definitely a thousand times faster than me and someone I should not have been uh, chasing, but it definitely got me uh, reasonably quick and a steep learning curve on the bike pretty quick. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, yeah, so we set up uh the first the first company was actually ski season beds ski season beds uh which is still going now which provides um winter seasonal accommodation for staff workers and all that kind of stuff out in morzine because that was the that was the scene we were in and we kind of knew knew all those guys and i had my old bournemouth university snowboard group and there's about five six hundred people in that so wow um yeah i mean it all started ski season beds started when after the 2012 summer when I actually broke my ankle on the plenty um mm. last shift of the last day of the 2012 season and I was flying down the plenty on a iron horse again that I borrowed off my mate because I'd snapped my forks on my giant team dh <laughs> so <laughs> yeah you're back on the iron horse and then for some reason I didn't put my inner soles back in my uh in my 510s and I came off a jump, landed slightly sideways and put my heel down on a, on what turned out to be a pretty sharp rock and it actually split my heel bone clean in half. Oh. Yeah, so rolled the last 20 metres down to the bottom of the chairlift and, uh, yeah, Lee Huskinson, my mate, was there again and I was like, mate, I've dislocated my ankle, pull it back in, pull it back into place. So I was led on my... Mm. He was yanking on this heel bone and uh, oh, I think dude. the realisation came pretty quick that it wasn't dislocated and, uh, yeah... Something, there, something was wrong there. So it was uh, it was straight down to the hospital in Tonon and the French doctor was like, right, we're operating immediately. And uh, after hearing a few horror stories of mates that had instant operations in France with snowboarding accidents, I did a bit of research and uh, hot-tailed it in the car back to the UK and went down to see a specialist <laughs> in Southampton. And they didn't end up operating, put me in an air boot for about, six months non-weight bearing because if i touched it put any weight on it it could have displaced and uh then it was all into operations and that stuff but that had me sat on the sofa for three months and couldn't move couldn't walk really do much at all and i was just like maybe i can maybe i can do something out in morsey with selling uh winter accommodation to my old snowboard club and my brother whacked me up a one-page website facebook business pages had just come along and yeah within the first within those three months i managed to sell 10 kind of winter season air beds on commission for the for the guy justin bull at powder days who i kind of stayed stayed on my first ski season and it all kind of started from there really so every cloud from a broken ankle it's ended up ended up where we are now it's pretty bold really yeah wow that that's crazy so you started off in the winter season so when did your thinking turned to we can do something similar for the summer season and these mountain bike crews yeah i mean i my first kind of full summer was 2013 and uh we were fully booked in the winter in the winter season air stuff so we decided to open up the chalet that we had got for the summer for the mountain bikers just to see if because there was a bit of chat around town about winter season airs wanting to stay and do the summer season and stuff and and uh yes we opened up the chalet and it ended up being fully booked i think we only charged about 500 euros for the whole three months to stay in the chalet including all wow. i don't think it definitely didn't make any money that year but i think it just covered the cost of the, the one chalet little chalet we had and stuff and yeah we started riding bikes 
every day and um i was doing a lot of building work kind of like what all of the english guys do out there to make a bit of money in the summer building work or bike shop or something like that um and then yeah just noticed that the bike scene there was loads and loads of people started getting to know more people and they were all like oh yeah we'll come out for holiday we come out or we've been in a lot in the past um we'd like to come back so 2014 summer we got hold of um some self-catered places and we also started doing um our riders weeks which was our catered kind of chalet weeks and stuff but i think the different thing we did from the very start was we made sure every self-catered accommodation we had um was set up with like park tool stands pumps um some basic tools cleaning products uh, and a car jet wash and stuff and that and that you had a proper garage so you weren't kind of sticking your bike up in a ski locker and everything like that you kind of had some uh, creature comforts of your own garage in the alps away from home on your holiday so you could do everything you needed to do with your bikes and it was uh yeah kind of a bit more of a mountain bike specific kind of accommodation really instead of just using a winter little ski apartment in the summer you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so that's interesting so obviously being in that area you kind of you knew local business owners and stuff but how did you go about scoping out the the self-caring apartments then did you know kind of the owners did you have a network of people there you knew how did you go about doing that kind of thing gosh so the very first chalet we got hold of in 2013 was i found it on a website called le bon coin which is a french kind of almost a french gum tree ebay kind of thing and i was mm-hmm. certain high and low in all the estate agents and there was just nothing available because all the bigger ski companies had snapped up snapped it all up and got it for year-round rentals and stuff and and the ski companies didn't really want mountain bikers in their accommodations in the summer or the private owners didn't really want them because obviously the risk of mud and damage to stuff and whatnot and everything it's kind of so and because they didn't have the proper garages and wash facilities outside set up um, they didn't really want to give us just the summer rentals. So, yeah, found this found this old house on Le Bon Coin and um, literally rang the French guy in my worst Fronglish accent ever and uh, turned up on his doorstep and waited for him to arrive and uh, somehow managed to convince um, this French-Italian owner, Francois, to uh, rent me his, his house um, so that's how it all started really just had to go almost knocking on doors and just saw the opportunity and kind of was pretty determined to try and make something happen um and yeah that that was it really yeah yeah wow wow so the 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 fella you were renting out initially that was just the guys that were working there that were staffing there is that correct was this your first kind of you know exploratory move into renting to people actually coming for holidays yeah that was a very very first kind of go so i didn't have any investment or backing i didn't have any money really myself at the time i just kind of took a took a gamble on telling this chap that i could afford the rent and stuff and getting people in and i was sure i could get people in for the winter season but then it was like all right we'll take it year round now for the summer so then there was a risk of taking it for the summer season and getting it booked for then and and it just kind of work through the facebook page the website word of mouth and all that kind of stuff and uh yeah we got people in there and then from that point 
it generated a, a very small amount of cash, but just enough to get a few damage deposits to put down on some other little self-catered properties for just the summer season, for the three months of the summer season, because back in 2013, it was pretty cheap to rent a little apartment for just the summer. Um, mm. And then we got up to about 10, 14 self-catered places, and we were running some really kind of ad hoc um, catered weeks um in the in some bigger chalets where we just arranged to rent one or two weeks off of some big ski companies in the summer and uh we get an outdoor outside caterer jm from the boomerang in leger did their first catering for us in the first week so he came in and did that and kind of i hosted it doing the poached eggs in the morning and <laughs> all that kind of stuff and we got <laughs> gonzalez to do our airport transfers and sorted out lift passes and yeah, and now I think those riders' weeks in Morzine, the show we've got three riders' week chalets now, and they've all got like proper park tool workshops and mechanics on site, and I think nearly five six hundred people each summer come through the come through the riders' weeks now, which is pretty pretty bonkers to think about it. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. We've cut back on our self catered offerings a little bit, um, just because so many people have now kind of clocked onto it and the airbnbs you can kind of get will have a garage and and people are driving out a lot more so they bring their tools and stuff with them and whatnot but i think we're still doing pretty well with the self-catered stuff because we put beers in the fridge and they get goodie bags when they arrive with partners products in there and stuff and whatnot so we're trying every year trying to offer different services to keep people coming back and stuff and fend off the old airbnbs but it's it's Good competition. Gets you out of bed in the morning, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it's cool. But th- at that time, what size of a team had you? You're doing all these things, all these different uh, properties that you had to manage and look after. What size of team did you have helping you there? You weren't doing all this yourself, were you? Yeah, I was doing Really? It. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Ben, I think it was summer of 2014, I just I said to Ben that, bro, um ben was running the managing and running the cottage hotel at the bottom of the plenty at the time and i just said to him i said mate i need some help doing these check-ins check-outs on saturdays and stuff and and i had like a, a cleaning team trust and dust that i used out in morzine and those guys were brilliant and they'd help me out and my girlfriend at the time would run around like a headless chicken doing all the linen and stuff for me and so it wasn't just me but it, i suppose i was it was me kind of coordinating and mm. the bookings and the arrival times and the check-ins, check-outs and making sure people had their transfers and their lift passes and their bike hire. And yeah, definitely got too much too quick. And, uh, and Ben, Ben came along and, uh, yeah, saved the day. And, uh, and now we are, now we are here in nearly 2020 still going. So yeah, it's good. Crazy man, crazy. And at that time when you were running around, your phone was always ringing, and you had this to organise and that to book and this. Were you get Were you getting out in the bike much? So at that point in time, we, the, we it was mainly the self catered stuff. So the weekends were absolutely bonkers. Saturday was kind of changeover day, clients in and out, changeover, meet and greets, lift passes, all that kind of stuff and everything. And then Sunday would be kind of fine tuning any little problems anyone had, fixing any stuff for the chalets and sorting out people's bits and bobs. And then most of the week, like Monday through to Friday, um, you just check in on the guests in the morning, check in on them in the in the evenings and stuff, and and get up and ride your bike. Um, and I was also doing the building work alongside it as well to keep 
generating a bit more income so I could keep developing it and stuff. And uh, yeah, I got out on the bike quite a lot, but your phone was always in your pocket and you always had to make sure it was charged up, ready to go. Because if the client <laughs> A client had lost a key on the mountain and they couldn't get into their house, You had, into their apartment, you had to get back there and let them in. Or if someone had got injured and they needed to get down to the Tonon or the medical centre, you had to sort out a taxi or get the ambulance for them or, yeah, but always, always something going on. So, uh, but hey, Crazy. You learn, every day you're learning like a lot, a lot. Yeah. I don't think there's a question we can be asked now that we don't really know the answer to. Well, there probably is. There's always some question you've not been asked before, which is a surprise. But I think we've we've learned most of it now. Yeah, crazy. Uh, you must have some stories about walking into an apartment and it's just trashed. You have to have some stories like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... I suppose we've ended up with some kind of stereo systems in swimming pools and speakers. <laughs> and uh, you've obviously had old mate boy who's had a few many shots of Genepi or Prior after his dinner and he's managed to kind of re-render the walls for you. Um, or, yeah, you've somehow, somehow um, someone's put their pint glass or, or a glass of water on the shelf above the sink and it's fallen off the sink and smashed the porcelain sink to a hundred pieces on the floor and you can't get it fixed for two weeks because you can't get a bathroom fit or anything but there's always there's always some stories we've got some about ourselves to be honest we ended up in hot tubs at 2 a.m in the morning couldn't find our way home but what knows but they, they, those were the glory days i suppose we've got to be a lot more professional nowadays <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah and you know it's funny when i think about something like your doing um i always think of that you know first off like guys just must go in trash places and you know it's maybe a stereotype of the whole mountain bike snowboard type kind of crew or whoever whoever attracts but yeah that would always be you know every time your phone rang you know were you thinking oh no somebody's freaking you know broke a window or pulled a door off the hinges or something is that that kind of how it was going i mean I think our ski seasons before we started the company put us in kind of good stead of what what to expect and also of how to like kind of, in a way, how you meet and greet your client is kind of the most important thing. I think if you meet and greet them and you can find a level ground of them and be like, look, boys, definitely not saying don't have a good time. Go out, drink your beers but come back and just have a little bit of respect that there's neighbours and other people enjoying their holidays and there could be kids and stuff like that. And and at the end of the day, we want you up riding your bike, having a wicked time. That's why you're here. You can get pissed up in the UK every single night of the week and do what you want. Like just enjoy your holiday. And if you're pissed up, still in the morning you're not going to be able to ride your bike as fast and you might end up in the hospital rather than down the pub having a beer afterwards. And I suppose if if you can kind of give they they arrive with such a stoke and you've mm-hmm. kind of managed this stoke and also kind of like give them a little bit of like right have an amazing holiday get stoked ride your bike drink beers but at the same time have a little bit of common sense i mean at the end of the day we don't want to keep anyone's damaged deposits and we don't want to be replacing windows and all that kind of stuff we don't want to take their money off them and and, and if we can kind of mitigate any of that but keep them super stoked at the same time and uh, just have a little chat with them because at the end of the day we're just mountain bikers as well and we've got our mates and we go out to chalets and get on the beers and stuff but 
there's there's not there's normally always one instigator in a group and if the rest of the group are like mate come on come on just chill a little bit and we'll be all good if we can install that in them then it, it normally works out pretty good and i don't think we ever had to kick a group out i don't think we ever have had to kick a group out as yet or anything like that but um who knows there's always 2020 <laughs> Yeah, those 2020 celebrations, you know. Yeah. Uh, cool, cool. So, Rich, tell us how it works then. You've got plenty to offer on your website there, very nice website. Yeah. Some of the images are amazing. Um, so tell us how it works. Uh, you go on, do you search for a destination first? Do you choose a date? Just talk us through how, you, how, you, how you're best going about it. I mean, yeah, you can literally go on, go on the website and you've got you kind of your menu bar at the top. And then if you just want to go, if you're not fussed on a destination and you just kind of want to get away, you can go on to our accommodation. Then you've got all accommodations, self-catered, catered hotels. Um, and you can just click on that and it'll bring up all the options in our resorts. Uh, Finale, Aosta, um, Leergang, Schladming, Morsey and all that stuff. But most people kind of, if they find us on Google, they kind of know about us and what they're after really. And most people will go on the destinations tab check out what new destinations we've got like aosta valley shadming layer gang stuff like that or they'll nip onto the packages and uh you've got the riders week package in finale riders week package in morzine you've got the aosta epic tour um you've now got the shadming layer gang tour finale Lagura exclusive tour where you get your own vehicle your own driver and it's all based on your where you want to ride what time you want to start wow. And we want to finish where you want to go for lunch based and we just give you all our knowledge and best of where what we can do because um so yeah stuff like that and on the website as well uh you've got the ability assessor you've got all of our track check videos so every resort we're based in now we try and get as many gopros of all the tracks as we possibly can because a lot of people are kind of a bit nervous about their first trip away uh and what normally happens is there'll be a group of five or six trying to make up the numbers and they'll drag along someone who's just started mountain biking and chuck them in at the deep end so if we can give them the ability assessor and the track check videos and they can actually see what they're riding they can kind of assess if it's going to be the right trip for them or not and and, and whether or not they're going to be kind of out of their comfort zone and stuff like that but the website's got most most stuff you need on it nowadays it's been uh it's been going a while and uh, yeah we're hoping hoping always adding stuff to it like the guiding services and mm-hmm. like the insurance company we use and the jobs that we offer and the day trips to other resorts and stuff but um websites can always be better can always be updated and the thing is i i'm going in there all the time and ben's going in there and stuff and we're all making little changes and whatnot but uh it seems it seems to work pretty well and uh most of the information is on there. There's about 100, 150 blogs as well. and um, Yeah, anything from the best way to travel to Morzine, driving, flying, all that stuff, to guiding in the Port de Soleil and everything like that. So, yeah, lots of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's loads of info on there for sure. Um, it's very, very good. Um, so do you find most people will book uh, the accommodation through you and then they just like to be left alone through the week, do their own thing? unless they want some of your extras or something. You do offer extras like the day trips and the guiding services and stuff like that. Um, But do most people come with all their gear, their bike, everything, and and just go and hit it for a week? 
Oh, it's, it's such a mix now, I would say. You, you get some guys that will drive out, some groups that will drive out in their van and their van will be absolutely packed to the rafters with spare tyres, spare parts. They've bought like three bikes. They've bought a jump bike for the skate park, enduro bike, downhill bike. There's probably a skateboard in there as well. They've just got absolutely everything. And then you'll get others that just fly out on a plane. They've got their hand luggage. They rent a bike. They stay in the accommodation in the catered chalets where they get their lift pass their food their accommodation everything and they ride their bike and then they whiz off back home and it's super Mm. simple or yeah you'll get the guys that want to come out and just um get self-catered go out and eat pizza and a steak and drink beers and just do completely their own thing and not be restricted by any dinner times breakfast times or anything like that as well so it's a real big mix and i think um being able to offer all of those options kind of gives us quite a large a large market in a way i suppose and and having the the self-catered places set up so well with the park tool stands and the kasha jet washes and all the free pts bike cleaner and beers in the fridge and a welcome pack and delivering the lift passes to them and then the day trips to like aosta pila la twil and stuff like you can have your freedom but just use us for everything you want and use our knowledge and our services and stuff so um yeah, total mix, really. Total mix, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that on the website when you go into accommodation, you, you click on the accommodation that tells you what kind of facilities it has. So it tells you if it's got a bike wash or bike stands and bike stores and things. And that's really cool because that's really specific for a mountain biker. And I suppose other than a mountain biker, it's probably something people wouldn't really look for or need anyway. So that's really cool to have that there. Do you find people... We're looking for that, or you mentioned, you know, earlier there that you set that up from the beginning. Did you think that was really important to have that kind of in-house? Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of, I think that was what differentiated us in the very start from a lot of other, a lot of other kind of companies that were just ski companies, not pretending, but just offering their accommodation in the summer for mountain bikers. It was just. Mm-hmm. You arrived, you put your bikes where you stored your skis, you stuck them up on the wall or you piled them up on top of each other and you had to wash your bike down in town and you didn't have any tools. And and this is when you get bikes being brought up into the living room or being washed in the bath, yeah. in the bathroom and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and the thing is, we just never, ever, and that's that was the impression that property owners kind of had. And that was exactly what they thought a mountain bike company would do to their property. And we had to really reassure reassure the owners and prove to them that we were putting in the effort of putting drying racks in garages and putting stands in there and jet washers outside with a drainage grid and everything and cleaning products so so bikes wouldn't be hanging off the hanging off the balconies and dripping oil over their beautiful brossade wood and stuff like that you know and uh those that those little things at the start i don't think we realized how important they were then but looking back now i think they were what made the the 100% made the difference you know mm-hmm. yeah no certainly and I, I think it yeah because you never really think about those things until you need them and then you know because most guys will have stuff like that set up at, up at home or their local trail centers or whatever and when you go away it just takes the pressure off all that nobody wants to be putting a, mon- a monkey bike in their apartment you know really so no. And we don't we don't want that either because then we have to we do have to start digging into people's damage deposits and it just it, it, it can leave a sour taste if someone leaves a holiday and they've had an amazing week but we've got to replace a carpet because it's got oil all over it and it costs it's not just the 
direct cost of just replacing the carpet it has to be ripped out someone has to go and buy the carpet it has to be fitted all that kind of stuff and it, it could be like 500 quid to do a carpet for a little room mm. it's it's not going to leave a, a we want everyone to leave super stoked and if we can just give people the heads up straight away and provide provide the facilities to prevent them having to do that stuff then it's our duty to do that really you know like people come on holiday they trust us they trust us with their money to provide to provide the necessary really mm -hmm. and uh, we claim to be a mountain bike specific company and we've got a, got to show that we really are and um yeah if i went away and someone said they're mountain bike specific i'd expect that stuff and it just makes people's life so much easier as well you know like getting there and having that garage and um like anchors on the floor and big cable locks we supply in all our places to lock up your bike so you don't have to bring it with you and stuff like that just offers peace of mind and yes yeah, like having a garage away from home really mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah sounds awesome uh, now for somebody that wants to go there rich use your facilities and and go and have a kind of guiding service week uh get picked up at the airport airport transfers all that kind of stuff you offer all those kind of services as well don't you yeah so we've got our european transport management license now so it means we can take any member of the public kind of uh, wherever we're registered in specific companies we can take them all over the place and whatnot but what we also do is we like to kind of logistically if we're running that many airport transfers from Morzine and stuff we're just going to be like flat out every single day just running up and down doing airport transfers and nothing else so we use skinny gonzalez in Morzine, and they pick up about probably 1800 clients for us drop them off deliver them over the summer season and they've got all their vans and they've got all their trailers and yeah they're always on time and they're, they provide an amazing service so we've managed to get some really good prices negotiated with them so we use those guys and obviously that gives them a really good summer business as well so mm -hmm. using the locals and using local businesses we don't need to do it all ourselves. and it's nice to kind of make sure you can if you can offer kind of work out to other companies and stuff as well it, it just kind of keeps the whole bigger wheel kind of rolling um that that's that's the example for morzine i suppose and down in finale we'll run our own transfers because there's not as many people come in um and we've got our uplift vehicles down there we've got our bike specific trailers and all that kind of stuff so yeah pick them up from nice airport down in finale or genoa um and yeah, we use those vehicles to do the day trips and the uplifts and stuff alongside uh, Ride on Nolly, who are good mates down in Finale, and uh, they they provide a lot of local knowledge as well and uh, do the uplifts for us and whatnot. So it's a combination of both, kind of using the locals, doing what we can ourselves without kind of just pushing ourselves like too far, and and then you don't ever want to risk kind of being late or not turning up on time or, or kind of any anything going wrong, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's very cool and i suppose you need that network of people it's very important you need to be outsourcing those certain kind of things um do you think without that network of people it would be as easy or you could actually even run the kind of thing you're doing because of expenses and stuff i don't think there's any way you could do what we're doing without using the locals and stuff. I mean, when we first went down to Finale Ligura in 2014, we went down with Jason Marsh, Greg's mechanic, and we just got lost in the hills for like three or four days. We didn't have a clue where we were going, what we were doing. <laughs> and we soon realised that 
you need some local knowledge in this place. You need to know where you're going because Trail Forks wasn't about then and stuff. And, and yeah, I mean, we just got lost. Trails were unbelievable, but yeah, we just got lost for days on end. And we did that. We did that quite a few times before we were like, right. And then uh, we hooked up with the locals and uh, ride on Nolly and they started showing us about. And then when we decided to start operating down there, they they were the ones that solely ran our uplift. We didn't do any of it. They ran, they ran the uplift for us. Um, for the first two years solidly and it was just it was such a brilliant partnership to develop because marco paolo just love riding bikes such great characters as well and they know all the local um little restaurants up in the hills and stuff and it means we could integrate a lot of culture stuff with our trips and mm. a real experience as well and without that knowledge um the local knowledge and without integrating with them you just you just can't get the same experience or provide the same experience as you would as you would naturally and, and the community that they've introduced us to down there is just yeah it's amazing we feel like we feel part of the locals down in finale now and stuff like that and and uh, we're part of the local um finale outdoor resort consortium now because we've got an italian company so we can be part of that and we can have a say into the new trails and where money goes and, and, and bits and bobs like that and have a real input in the sustainability of it and the future of it and stuff so yeah i think without locals and without outsourcing and using other people you can just stretch yourself too far and obviously those guys are specific to what they do. They can do it better than we can. So if you can use those and provide them with some business and generate great relationships that aren't just working relationships, like they're all our, they're good friends now and stuff and we'll ride with them and drink beers with them even when we're mm-hmm. not working. So it, it kind of, kind of, uh, allows the lifestyle business kind of thing to keep on rolling. And at the end of the day, we are just, <laughs> we are just, people that love riding bikes you know that's what it's all about it's not it's not about making millions it's just about riding bikes and having fun really and getting the local knowledge and riding with the locals is is the way to do it yeah no i i think there's certainly something about that and i know a lot of people like to go and just do their own thing for a week but i was out in the states one time snowboarding in utah and we ran into a couple of local uh guys uh just going up one of the lifts and they said, yeah. have you been here? Have you been down this run? Have you done the back end of that run? We were like, no, like, we've only been here a couple of hours. And they're like, right, well, follow us and we'll... But that was so cool, man, because we went to areas and boarded clean powder that we would never have known existed. Know, you know, yeah. and, and instead of stopping every two minutes looking at a trail map, figuring out where you are, are you going to get lost? Are you on the wrong side of the mountain? All this kind of stuff. You could just relax, enjoy the ride, enjoy the boarding and, and get on with it. Do you find people like that in the mountain biking scene as well? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we will, I mean, in France is a bit, it's a bit tricky because the guiding laws and all that kind of stuff have changed so much in recent years that you just cannot kind of guide anyone or anything, but you can always give them some little hints and pointers and stuff and whatnot. But, um, yeah, if you're up on the hill and you're kind of and you're kind of riding and, and you've got a group that are looking at a peace map and they're just like you can see when a group are confused and puzzling a little bit and we always tell our staff like just go and just go and say hey guys how you doing do you need any help with where you're going or anything and it's like someone might want to know how to get over to Champery from Morzine and it can be a bit of a nightmare if you don't know how to do it but if you know how to do it you can get there in 25 minutes 30 minutes and if you're up uh, Morzine top of plenty how do you get over to Leger like simple things like that like 
if a group go wrong, then they can get lost and it can waste half a day. But if our staff just take 10, 20 seconds to be like, right, follow that blue trail, cut onto that red, and you're down there. Uh, yeah, it makes such a difference. And I think especially at the end of the day, everyone's there. The reason you're there is to ride your bike and, and have a good time. And if you can make someone's day better by taking two 20 seconds out of your day, then yeah, get it done for sure. And you never know, they might see you wearing an MTV Beds t-shirt and book a holiday with you next year. So happy days. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, I think it's cool. You know, you seem to have used outsourcing local people there and you're part of the community now. And I think that's really cool. Do you feel part of the community out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that is a really important important point actually. Like being part of the community and kind of uh, getting involved in local events and and trying to develop and uh, kind of promote the resort is is really important. Me and Ben spent a lot of time a couple of years ago trying to trying to work with the, the lift companies and stuff to get some more trails built on the Plenty, and they built a new red track, which was awesome. Uh, we worked on like some town guides and stuff because there was a bit of animosity creeping in as the mountain bike seasons were getting busier and busier between like the locals and and the mountain bikers and stuff. And it's just su- such simple things like don't do a wheelie across the big super morzine bridge when there's kind of locals walking or at any time and don't sit down on the benches if you're covered in mud and shit because the locals can't sit on them with the other tourists and stuff and uh just simple things like that and getting developing things like that to make the whole place like kind of more harmonious and just just keep developing it growing it and making sure that everyone's happy you know mm-hmm. yeah and that that can be difficult at times and i'm i'm sure the locals because back home i live in a, a holiday town so you know the summer is absolutely rammed yeah, you, you love to see the tourists leaving in September, but you know that you need them, and you need them. The, the town needs them to survive. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of difficult. Do you think with using the local community there and chatting, things are getting better? The locals are accepting it a wee bit more now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think it all depends where you go. Because down in Finale, like Finale used to have, Finale was obviously like a industrial kind of place. Really, they had the Piaggio kind of aeroplane factory, motorbike factory down there, and that employed about ten thousand people. And then I think those towns started to kind of really die off in a way until Finale discovered the mountain biking and all of the all of the locals pretty much and, and the landowners and the hotel owners and stuff are kind of on board with the mountain biking and looking to develop it and make it sustainable and stuff and places like that just they welcome the mountain biking with open open arms it is getting really busy in Finale now and stuff and they're having to kind of make it all a bit more efficient and everything but it'll only make it better in the future but places like morzine i suppose they can make they do have the the risk of them they make a lot of money in the winter season and uh then in the summer season they want to they want to chill out and have their town back to themselves all that kind Mm. of stuff but i think i think a lot of the locals are really coming around to the fact now that the mountain biking is going to be quite an important part of the future. And I think a lot of the companies like ourselves that are operating there want to work with the locals and, and make sure that everyone can be there and kind of integrate and be harmonious, you know, and, and it's enjoyable for everyone and everyone benefits from it. So, yeah, I think I think everyone's kind of is coming on board with it. There's a few issues with land ownership in Morzine and people riding illegal trails and whatnot, but um, 
we'll always try and advise guests and stuff on certain areas that are kind of no-go areas at, at certain times and if and if uh there are locals getting annoyed or and it just just a bit of courtesy i suppose like don't do wheelies down the street and kind of just just keep it nice and chilled and respect just a bit of simple respect you know and everyone gets along pretty well but um yeah it seems to be getting better and better and more and busier and busier and yeah, a lot of a lot of the locals are benefiting from it and stuff, and yeah, it seems to be going the right direction. I think. Yeah, very cool, and I think companies like your yourselves will actually help that. You know, rather than guys just arrive and staying in caravan parks and stuff. Yeah. You know, at, at least you have that chat when you meet your guests and stuff, and um, I think it's good for the whole community having having businesses like yourselves there, so that can only help. Well, it's our responsibility as well. We we want to stay operating. We love the places we operate in, and, and the reason we were there is because we love riding bikes. So, if we want to stay there and have longevity, we need to make sure that the relationships are kind of all managed, and that's our responsibility in a way, I suppose. And uh, yeah, it's just just part of running a running a, a, a business out there and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. all it's all good. And at the same time, you're learning every day, and you're meeting new people, and you're you're integrating with the French um, owners, landowners owners and going to the council meetings and stuff and yeah it's good it's, it's something i never thought i'd be doing but um you find yourself in these situations they're quite amusing but at the same time they're quite important i suppose mm, yeah yeah for sure do you still love what you're doing do you really love running the business yes is the simple answer to that i mean some days over the last few years you do spend a lot of time head in the laptop obviously you've got staff now and their kind of wages your their wages you're paying their wages their mortgages and stuff and they've got kids and everything and and the business is growing and we've had to set up a french business an italian business and brexit and the euro the pound dropping its <laughs> oh it's mad but at the same time like i always say like i never thought i'd be in this position um and i didn't think that it'd ever be possible uh, really and it's kind of it's now happened i get to travel around the world riding my bike meeting some amazing people ama- developing amazing partnerships and um yeah you got to take the rough with the smooth but i mean the freedom it allows you really especially i've got a little one now 16 month old daughter and if i want a day off then i can take a day off and i'll just work slightly longer hours the day before or the day after and it is a real freedom and yeah going on the industry rides and setting up these tours and doing the media and filming and riding and stuff it's it is a it is living the dream really a lot of people just see the dream bit they don't see the mm-hmm, uh, what goes in behind it but i think i think my friends have just kind of started to clock that there is quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of stuff in the background that keeps the machine well oiled i mean mm-hmm. eight people coming through in a year is it doesn't happen by just uh just cruising along really but uh yeah super lucky love it super stoked and just yeah i think uh if you've had a rough day in the office or you're beheading legal stuff all day and whatnot as long as you get on your bike at some point um yeah you can you can blast off those cobwebs and and equilibrium Mm. kind of restored you know yeah it's funny and i know sometimes people think you know if you have a passion you're super passionate about something if you turn it into a business it can actually put you off that passion because you're 
it becomes work almost rather than your freedom, your your escape. Um, but you haven't found that, so that's cool. You, you're still in love with mountain biking, and you love everything else that goes around around it. So that's cool that you still got that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean, I've I've only properly been riding the bikes, I suppose, since 2012. So it's it's fairly fairly new for for me still in a way whereas the snowboarding i've been doing since like 10 and i suppose i got to about 20 with the snowboarding 25 was a bit like oh, i found bikes and i'm stoked i found the bikes like kind of in my late 20s nearly 30 because it's like a sport you find later on and it's like right this is rad now let's have some fun and, and i think now with the enduro bikes and just how good they're getting and e-bikes and the new the new destinations that are opening everywhere you can you can keep riding your bike the same as snowboarding to like 50 60 i don't see any mm. not just stay fit and strong and then yeah like when you're at the when you're two and a half thousand meters up at the top of a mountain and you've got a descent that lasts an hour you just can't really grumble can you so oh, amazing. <laughs> the valley i mean yeah there's some out there that are just they're just absolutely phenomenal and i suppose now what we're trying to offer as well it's not just about the riding it's about the food it's about the culture it's about the history it's about the whole experience like you go to aosta and you're not just on a mountain bike holiday you're on you're on a I mean, cultural adventure as well and the italian food the culture and the riding and the history it's just uh it's amazing and that's what we're really trying to put together now and, and provide something different as well as just as just uh, the kind of traditional morzini stuff you know mm-hmm. what would the the age groups be you would be getting coming through there rich again i mean it just completely varies i mean morzine is normally kind of your your kind of your first european mountain bike holiday in a way so you'll get anything from 16 17 year olds that have blagged mum and dad to pay for them or saved up loads from working on a weekend and they'll come and stay in our riders weeks and they'll get everything done for them and they'll have an amazing time and then you'll get the 45 50 year olds that have just started riding the bike around the park or cruising around Surrey Hills and stuff. And they're like, actually I've been skiing in the Alps all my life. Let's go out there for the, for a mountain bike holiday in the summer. And, and yeah, you've just got a complete range and, and even all the groups now there'll be, there'll be 18 year old kiddies in the groups and then there'll be 55. So there'll be their dads out with them as well and stuff. And it's just, that's cool. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, mini downhill races at the forest of Dean and you've got 400 people on a Sunday in the middle of December, freezing their backsides off racing bikes down a one minute track. And there's anything from six year olds up to 50, 60 year olds. And like, yeah, but it's just so, yeah, so mixed now, but obviously the main, the main group still is probably the 25 to 45 really, but that's still a big, big age range really. Yeah it's what i love about mountain biking it's one of those things that it does span a large age group you know and it's so cool because you get so many different stories and histories and people coming through it from you know years and years ago and they bring all that with them i remember back in the day and all these stories it's just cool man yeah and i mean what what is amazing is you'll get an old boy well not an old boy but someone who's like 45 50 or something and they'll bring out their giant gtx i think it is that <laughs> and they'll have literally restored this thing so it's an absolute absolute peach and they'll be smashing it down the plenty and morsey and you're like that should be on the wall framed you uh-huh. should get wider that down the plenty and he's like yeah it's amazing and all his mates are taking a piss out of him and stuff and <laughs> you've got yeah like you said you've got the, the the very start of mountain biking like 20 30 years ago and 
they were riding and they've had a huge hiatus and come back into it. And then you've got the little rippers that are on these full carbon 29ers and they're going a hundred miles an hour. And it's just, yeah, it's bonkers. That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, so before I let you go there, have you any, anything new planned for the future? You can let us know about any new destinations, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, there's always, always, uh, always something new kind of planned and always researching kind of a couple of years ahead. It always takes a couple of years to get a resort set up or develop mm. the ships, but who knows? There might be someone involved in a helicopter pretty soon, uh, which, uh, which could be pretty unique and epic. And yeah, I suppose um, looking into a few other spots around Europe and developing stuff down near Finale that we've already got going on. And uh, yeah, just open the Austria ones, Leergang Schladming, the work they've put into Schladming and revived the old World Cup track and built a brand new jump line, which is literally like the A-line of Europe. Um, so yeah, lots going on, um, but we'll just wait and see. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely, lots coming, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting times ahead, I suppose. Awesome, awesome. So you're building anyway, and you're moving forward. It's a good thing. We are, we are for sure. Yeah, slowly but surely, just making sure that every package needs to be something we'd want to go on ourselves. You know, like if if it's not a holiday we'd want to go on, then we won't ever offer it. And we've got to know the resorts pretty well and the destinations and find the right people to work with before we start offering out offering out packages and holidays because we want to provide those holidays of a lifetime. You know, and if we don't know them ourselves, we can't be definitely can't be offering them out to clients yet yeah no it's very very important very important so rich how can people best get in contact how can they follow mtb beds how can they book a, a package holiday with you or or accommodation with you how's the best way to find you on the old socials and stuff yeah i mean jump on google and just search mtb beds and we'll pop up at the top of most of the searches mtb beds morzine mtb beds finale aosta kind of all pops up um social media just type into MTV Beds into Facebook, Instagram. It's all on there. And uh, there's anything from competition giveaways with our partners at Fox and PEs and DMR and stuff and holiday packages on offer and loads of images and signing up to win lift passes and lift opening dates and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, just search for MTV Beds and uh, it'll pop up and drop us a message on any of those platforms and uh, we'll get back to you soon. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, jump on the internet and have a look through there and send inquiries and stuff, or pick up the phone, give us a call. Always happy to answer a phone call as well. Yeah, cool. And you have a very good YouTube channel as well with a lot of the trails and all on there, which really surprised me actually. You've put a lot of work and dedication into that too. Yeah, so the YouTube, uh, all of the track checks that we host on the website are all pulled in from the YouTube channel. Yeah. So, I mean, YouTube is a bit of a beast. It is a one hell of a beast to kind of learn and tame and really get good traction on and stuff. So we're slowly but surely just uploading all of the content onto there. And it's a really good place to just hold it all, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, some of the videos end up getting thousands and thousands of views. Some of them get like 10, 20, 30 views, which is just totally bizarre. But who knows? There, uh, It's all on there. And yeah, anything from finale track checks to World Cup track checks and like all that stuff's on there. So it's a good good place to have all that content and everything. And when we need it, we can pull it in and share it and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it's slowly but surely developing it. And uh, it'll get there one day. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. Well, right, listen, it's been awesome chatting to you. It's been awesome finding out about MTB Bed. You have a great story there. And I love the way you've turned your passion into into your full-time gig. Um, it's very cool, man. So, listen, good luck in the future. I hope this season, the 2020 season, goes well for you and uh, all your 
all your new adventures happen and stuff in, in good time. So thanks so much, bro. It's been great to have a chat with you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having us on. We'll have to get you out to the Alps sometime or finale or something for a ride. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I need to do more of these things. I need to get myself out there and do a bit more riding. I've snowboarded in a lot of, I've snowboarded for years across Europe, America, Canada. I've done it. I've never done it on a bike. So you just, yeah, the, the Alps and like the Maritime Alps and Pyrenees and all that stuff in the summer is just, it's unbelievable. Mind, mind boggling, especially else the valley, the mountains you've got around you there, like the peaks are over 4,000 meters are just pretty incredible. So yeah, drop us an email, give us a call and we'll get something sorted out for you, buddy. Awesome, bud. Sounds amazing. Have a great day and um, good luck in 2020, bro. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for episode 120, folks. I hope you enjoyed that first episode of 2020. And thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I do appreciate it. And Richard, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a good old yarn there. And I hope your 2020 season goes really well. And those little things we chat about, hopefully you can get sorted. And uh, you can add those onto your packages. It'll be amazing to see that. Uh, I really am looking forward to that. And once I sold shoulder of mine heels and I get a bike on the two wheels, I definitely will be giving you a shout and hopefully get out there and hook up with you for some of those awesome, awesome packages you offer there. So thanks so much, dude, for coming on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Now, folks, if you want to know more about Richard, about MTB Beds, just simply go to the MTB Tribe website, mtb-tribe.com. You can look up Richard's show notes, find out a little bit more information, get all the links to his socials and his YouTube page and stuff like that and find out a wee bit more about MTB Beds and how they can help your holiday be much, much better. Now, if you want to help and support the show, the best way of doing that is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps, boosts us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, you can also find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean. We are on most platforms, so just look us up and you should find the podcast there. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show from there. It's all free, folks. It's all free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show and a short synopsis of who is coming on that week. You can also get involved on the old social media platforms. Of course, we are on Instagram and Facebook at MTB Tribe. And please share the posts and get the word out there to friends or people you know who may be interested in the podcast. Thanks so much, folks, for listening. That's a wrap for this week. Happy New Year. I hope your celebrations went well. And I hope you have a happy and prosperous 2020. If you haven't done so already this year, now's a good time to get out the bikes, hit those trails, get out with some mates and enjoy yourself. So until next week, folks, have a great time. And I will chat to you for another MTV Tribe podcast. But until then, as always, and as Glenn O'Brien loves... Just stay empty, be stoked. <laughs>